It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock M Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Your let's say at the NFL draft edition, since we are coming to you the week before the NFL draft, most of you are paying attention to college basketball, Missouri college basketball, as you should, because that's where all the activity is. But Hey, hello. Hi. Football still exists. We're still having fun. And believe it or not, I think we can wrestle up 30 minutes of content for you guys. BK, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Nate? I can't complain, man. Like, even I am mildly curious about all the acquisitions in basketball just because, you know, 61% of the roster is getting turned over. Can you imagine that happening in football? Can you imagine a single team turning over that many dudes from one year to the next in football? I don't think it's possible. I don't think you literally could with the way that the scholarship requirements are. Um, but I, it, it's amazing, man. You look at the way that the roster was at the end of last season. They had no point guards. They had no centers. They had no shooters. Now, I'm still not sure they have a true center. <laughs> right. I think they are better at shooting, certainly from the mid range, but I'm not sure about the three point shot. They have multiple point guards now, though. <laughs> what that is that? Is a massive upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Handling the ball. It turns out happens to be important in the game of college basketball. Uh, so I am optimistic about the state of the roster right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, though, these things, everybody's going to point to Iowa State and how they were able to turn their team around God. from going to two and 22 to a tournament team. Yeah. Uh, that is the outlier, not the norm. If Missouri is able to go something close to 500 next year, maybe a little bit above, that's a win. Uh, that, that would be a step in the right direction. So I'm fascinated to see where it goes from here. I don't even know if they're done yet. And they've already turned over 
eight of the 13 spots on the roster. It is just disingenuous and it's leading you up to disappointment. When how many how many teams have done exactly what Iowa State did last year and just fallen on their faces? Hundreds, right? Over the entire bas- history of basketball or even the past 20 years. So many teams have tried to do it. And one team does it and you point to it and go, yeah, that's that's what we want to be. That's what we're going to be. Like, just stop. Let let them make the NIT. <laughs> Let's get, make it to the postseason, and then we'll start talking about what we can do after that. So, um, yeah, roster management is interesting. But going from one optimistic ball handler in one sport to another, wow, that that's a really good transition. You, you have no idea. Um, can we talk about JT Daniels for a second? Unfortunately. So, obviously... Well, I guess not, obviously, if you've hidden under a rock. But if you didn't know, JT Daniels, the former USC and Georgia quarterback, uh, graduated from Georgia at the end, is going to be graduating at the end of this month. And he was going to be transferring to a different school since he couldn't beat out, you know, Stetson Bennett, the fourth at Georgia. So he had visited Missouri and he had visited West Virginia and he decided to go with West Virginia. Um, BK, you always talk about, you know, don't listen to what coaches say, pay attention to what coaches do. And this staff has been fairly active in the transfer portal, talking to transfer quarterbacks. Now they haven't done anything since Daniel's committed and there's a chance that they don't do anything for a little bit, but it seems to be pretty clear that regardless of how they feel about the quarterback room, which you can draw your own conclusions, they would still like to add an experienced player to their quarterback rotation. So, I don't think they're done, but I don't think there are any options right now since Daniels is off the table. So two-parter, BK. Number one, how do you feel about Brady Cook, Missouri Tigers starting quarterback? And number two, what does that mean for this team heading into the 22 season? So let's start with the former, and then we'll get to the latter. I feel fine about Brady Cook starting quarterback for Mizzou. I don't feel great about it, but I feel fine. I think he's going to be a better version of Connor Bazelak. I think that a lot of the issues that you saw with Bazelak will probably be the same issues that we see with Brady Cook. The difference, though, and why I'm more optimistic about him than I was even about the best version of Bazelak is that he can run. And it just, we've talked about this before, Nate, it changes the math in your favor. When you have a quarterback that can run, the defense can be right. They can get everything correct and they're still wrong. If on third and four, your quarterback is able to pick up those four yards. And that is such a game changer for you. I mean, you've seen, look down at Alabama, right? You you looked at what they previously had at quarterback and what they have now turned to more often than not. It hasn't been consistent because Mac Jones was a statue back there as well. But most of them were able to run over the last five to seven years for Alabama. Mm -hmm. Previously, it was all guys like Mac Jones, but even more statuesque for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the game is going. You can see it in the NFL as well. The guys that are being drafted right now in the league, you have to be so overwhelmingly great as a passer to be able to win without running and be able to win without being mobile. A lot of teams just aren't taking those guys in the first round anymore. Look at the quarterbacks that are potentially going in the first. It, it, it's all mobile guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at what they have right now at the quarterback situation. And I think it's going to be okay. I don't know what the ceiling is there. It's probably not incredibly high. And that's why I would have taken the shot on JT Daniels, the way that Missouri appeared that they wanted to, but I'm not in any sort of a panic mode. Where are you at on this? I, I tend to agree. I, I I don't think 
wanting to improve a position is the same as we have no faith in the guys that we have. I think those, those two statements can be true at the same time where you like your guys, but you like another one too. That's a good way to put it. I like that. And that's what Drinkwitz has said since he got on campus, right? I want to upgrade this roster. I want to, I want to get as much talent on this roster as possible. So no, I'm not really worried about it. Um, You know, I think I, the, the thing that I am worried about is Eli Drinkwitz's ability to manage the quarterbacks through the season. <laughs> Cause you know, why wasn't Brady cook playing towards the end of the year? Uh, that's, that's a fair question to ask. Uh, so, you know, we haven't seen good quarterback play in the two seasons uh, on the field seasons that we've had of Drinkwitz. That doesn't mean it's always going to be that way, but you go off of what you know. So I'm a little bit more concerned about that, but I'm not concerned about the talent in the room. Uh, I, I feel confident that they have the guys who can win and it's on them to develop them. And yeah, you can feel good about what you have and still want more. That's, that's totally fine. Um, so I, I don't think that Brady cook is going to be like hold back this team. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a negative to the offense. I don't think he's going to push this team to power this team to nine or 10 wins. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be taking anything away. And I'm not saying that's what Connor Bazelak did, but he definitely did limit the effectiveness of the offense when everybody in the stadium knew that he would not run and could not run. So I I am fine uh, with Brady Cook, much like you are. If they wanted to take someone who is a good fit and upgrades the talent, I'm good with it. If you don't find that person, fine. You also have Sam Horn coming on to the campus in July. So um just keep recruiting, keep looking, and and I think it'll come to them. But right now, I feel I feel fine about the situation, and I hope Missouri fans to do too because Brady Cook, uh, based off of the video that uh, Mizzou football posted on Twitter, dude can dunk, and if you can dunk, you could probably scoot pretty quickly too. And uh, he's a he's a very athletic kid, very impressive. That, that's the thing, man. It's like I know that I don't want to overreact to some random video that Mizzou football posted, but he's clearly an athletic guy. And the other thing is, just based on some of the videos that we've seen posted on on socials, and again, I, I understand they're trying to put out a good foot, right? Like they're they're showing all of the best stuff, but it seems like he's got the support of his teammates, yeah, uh, and and they seem to like him. That stuff matters. Now, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it. If you stink, if you're a terrible player, but your team likes you, like that <laughs> that isn't good enough to be able to win you football games. What matters in the end is the results, but. Mm. I think he's good enough based on the very limited sample size that we saw last year to be able to be a trailer. And what I mean by this is we get to the NFL. A lot of people will talk about tractors versus trailers, right? Uh, The tractor (laughs) is the guy that pulls the team. Uh The trailer is the one that is pulled by his teammates. Uh So guys, like if you're an NFL fan, Alex Smith, He is the definition of a trailer. Same thing is true for Andy Dalton. (laughs) Over the years, Andy Dalton and and Alex Smith put up some really good numbers in the NFL. Why? Because Alex Smith was throwing to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Mm. And Andy Dalton was throwing to A.J. Green and a bunch of other superstars on the outside. And it was so good at one point, Nate, he nearly was an MVP candidate. (laughs) That is the definition of a trailer. And this year, Missouri has upgraded its receiver position in a way that if you've got a trailer at the quarterback spot, might be okay. 
that that might be all right as long as he's not an anchor. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that is when things become problematic, and I don't think he's gonna be that. So, if you had to give me like scale of one to ten, how do you feel about uh, having Brady Cook as your starting quarterback next year? I like a six and a half. I was gonna I'm say seven. Yeah, yeah. Seven. I, I've got no issues with it. I think he is a really solid middle of the pack college football starter. And that's good enough. And if you are a middle of the pack college football starter that has some athleticism and can pick up some, uh, some yards on the ground, I I can sign up for that, man. So I'm fine with it. If they find a guy that ends up leaving spring ball and then going into the summer, realizing, Hey, I don't have a future at this program, like Georgia, Alabama, whatever, one of those top programs where they've got stud quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and they want to take a chance on one of those guys. I also don't have an issue with that because, like you said, raising the ceiling of your position, especially at that position, is really important. But I think they've got a pretty good floor right now. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it is weird when Missouri's spring game was so early and everyone else's is so late. We're like, oh, well, gosh, you know. I mean, there are spring games going on now. Yeah, right now. Like, there's still plenty of transfers that are going to happen. Uh, so you don't need to worry about not finding the guy right now. Um, but yeah, things happen. It's always a developing situation with transfer portal, you know, roster management's kind of a 365 day conversation. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to date on anything that we hear. And, and, but for now, you know, let's, let's put our stock in, in Brady and Tyler and, and Sam when he gets on campus and, and Tommy Locke, I guess too. Uh, before, uh we'll, no, 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 no. Uh, you had it right okay. at the first. You're right, you're right. <laughs> Tommy, eat, eat a piece of chicken, my dude. Uh, you're like 150 pounds. I, I feel like that's not safe. You should weigh more than that, but whatever. Um, let's talk about future. Future. Let's talk about the NFL. Let's talk about Tigers who are not going to be playing next year, but not for Missouri, but possibly in the NFL. We got uh, we got done with our draft analysis, looking at uh, all the guys who put their name in who are eligible for the NFL draft. And we just kind of gave our honest opinion on what we saw uh, from them in college and what we think they can translate to uh, at the next level if they're given a shot. BK, it kind of seems like the only realistic slam dunk for sure draftable guy from Missouri is Tyler Beatty. Is that, is there anyone else who you feel as confident? Really? Yeah. Caleb Evans will be drafted uh, at some point, probably fourth or fifth round, but he's got the height, weight, speed that teams look for at that position. Mm, He will be drafted. I know he didn't have a great season for Mizzou, but I would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't get selected, I think he'll be drafted. Those are the two that I feel most confident in. If you made me give you one more and you said, Hey, can you predict somebody else that could actually end up getting drafted? I would probably go Michael Maietti because mm-hmm. teams just, they're always looking for really solid centers. So if somebody in the sixth, seventh round decided, you know what? We'd like this guy as an undrafted free agent, but instead of having to go out there and fight with other teams to try to get him in, we'll just go ahead and take him now. I think Mayetti would probably be my third most confident pick in getting selected. So you don't think Chris Turner is going to get a shot, huh? It, no, <laughs> but Chris Turner's athletic profile, dude, man, dude, it it is it's stunning. Um, he tested really well and i know some people can laugh at this stuff and they're like yeah but he wasn't good (laughs) i watched him play football and it didn't go well i hear you i'm with you i think he's a little bit of a paper athlete in terms of the piece of paper looks great but when you watch it on the field it doesn't he ran a 4.8 which is pretty good at 270 pounds 
And if you look at some of his other stuff, it it's pretty impressive. Vertical of 34 and a half inches. It's broad jump, nine feet, three inches, which is right in line with some of the guys that are likely going to be drafted. He he's gonna be interesting, man. He I don't think he'll go, but I bet you he gets a camp invite at a minimum. Six three two seventy. That's a little light for tackle at the NFL. You could it's perfect for an edge defender though that yes. plays against the run. Yes, which is he did that really well. Like containing, that was like his superpower when he was on the football field. Containing his side of the field. Now he didn't do anything, but he certainly didn't let people run by him. So like, I don't know, maybe like it just kind of depends on what who's interested in what and yeah they you can talk yourself into some crazy crazy acquisitions through the draft or throughout this entire process um but you know you turn around and you look at like kobe whiteside or you know heel Byers, who had actual production on the field and then just looked awful uh when in their measurements and you know whether it's it's injury like whiteside or however you want to Phrase it. It's just it's weird when you have someone who isn't productive at the college level be such a an incredible athlete, and the guys who actually you know were on the field and making plays have a bad day or just measure completely poorly when they have their shot. It's uh it's kind of a crapshoot. That's why the NFL draft is a crapshoot. But like it's just very fascinating how these measurements compare to other players and how how some of these names shake out because it's it's an art, not a science. Uh, for sure. Um, the other guys that I think have a decent shot to get a camp invite at a minimum, you mentioned Kale Byers, you mentioned Kobe Whiteside. I think both of those guys will get camp invites. And this is when the rosters are at 90 players. So that's not saying that they're going to end up like making rosters. I, I don't think they will, but I think they'll get an invite to camp. I think Blaze Aldridge will get an invite. We mentioned Chris Turner. Case Cook, Ke- I think, will. Yeah, yeah. I like Case Ke- Cook. Ke- Ke- Kiki Chisholm, I think, will get a camp invite. I think he's got a pretty good shot to be a priority for agents. So somebody will give him a decent amount of a signing bonus just because of the size that he has. Um, his, his testing numbers weren't great, but his size is going to get him something. Um, Allie Green has the size that teams are looking for. He doesn't necessarily have the athleticism, though, that they are going to be looking for. So that is going to hurt him in this process. But he's another guy that if somebody took him on late day three so we're talking around six round seven it wouldn't shock me ran a four seven forty that's gonna hurt seven oh three cone though was pretty good and he had a four two short shuttle which is very good so he has some numbers that are gonna help him but that four seven forty is gonna hurt man so that that's the thing that might get him undrafted the one that shocked me the most and we talked about this uh separately did you see what Boo Smith ran? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I, I've never been more surprised by anything. He's 5'10", a buck 50, which is not surprising. Ran a 4'640". Awful. His entire game is, I'm really fast. And he ran a 4'6", which is not fast. <laughs> like I don't understand how he was consistently outrunning SEC cornerbacks Despite the fact that he ran a 4-6, it tells me he either A, and this is not to call him out or anything, but it's just a stunning number given his game. Either A, he didn't like train for it at all, and he just had no sort of real ability to um, 
have any sort of technique on his 40 or B, he's just not good on a track. Could be that. Uh, yeah. Both of which are surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, what else would he be doing? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, look, I, I, I'm a procrastinator in my, in my personal life as well. So I can appreciate someone who puts things off to the last second at the same time. Can you not just wake up in the morning and run, you know, a 40 yard dash three or four times, just get your feet under you. Or maybe, I don't know, get, maybe you got some friends that you hang out with last fall. You might be able to hook you up with someone who could teach you how to do a 40 properly. It, so I will say it, it, it's a lot of work, man. It, there's a lot that goes into it technique wise that would surprise people. And that's why you're seeing some forties now that are so much better than what we saw years ago. It's just because they're getting the technique down in a way that's like, it's perfect. Like you can't run the 40 any technically any better than what guys are right now. Um, but it, it, it's definitely surprising when you see a guy that has that kind of a game that just for whatever reason doesn't translate. Do you know what the technique is? I mean, no, not not well enough to pretend that I could actually go into like a, a long form explanation of it. But the start is huge. Um, the way that you build up is massive. The form from start to finish in terms of the swing from side to side is really big. Like hmm. they have some really technical points like Michael Johnson, the former sprinter, is one of the trainers for huh. um, for college football players that are going into the NFL draft. Um, there's a place called Exos. If you want to look it up, you can find videos on what they do with them. Um, there's there's like four or five high level training facilities that most of the guys go to. Um, there are some others that are more positional specific, like Chuck Smith is a former NFL defensive lineman. Uh, he's worked with Charles Harris and I think Marcus Golden in the past. So he'll have guys down there to train in terms of like the positional drill stuff. But yeah, it's it's crazy the way that all this stuff goes together now. Yeah. Well, if Tyler Beatty's the one, you know, surefire lock, obviously, you know, Caleb Evans can can probably get in there too. But let's talk about Beatty real quick. Other than the Chiefs, BK, <laughs> what is the ideal landing spot for Tyler Beatty? That's interesting because honestly, the thing that you love about Tyler Beatty is that he fits anywhere. Yeah. He's good at basically everything now if you could get him on one of those wide zone teams so uh for anybody that watches the nfl you're thinking the kyle shanahan sean McVay system mm -hmm. that's kind of the the place that i would like to see him go to so the rams run that the 49ers run it the seahawks run a variation of it there's like 10 teams i think now that do the packers run it um who else would be in this the eagles run a form of it um, Denver now runs a little bit of that. The Chargers don't really have a spot for him. He's kind of too, he overlaps too much with their starting running back in Austin Eckler. Uh, Indianapolis kind of has a guy like him already. Um, who else could be that kind of a system? Uh, Cincinnati runs a little bit of it. Maybe he could be, go there. He could be back up Joe Mixon. Uh, Miami, I think would be a really good spot for him. Actually, that, that could be one that, that makes a lot of sense. Miami or the jets, mm -hmm. either of those two spots could make some sense for him. But the, the reason why people love him is because he could fit literally anywhere. Mm -hmm. God, I, I want him to get drafted first and foremost. And I want him to get paid. So wh wh whoever does that, whoever gives him money fully endorse, please don't be the jets. God. <laughs> 
just don't. This is the most incompetently team. Well, not the most. One of the most incompetently run teams in the NFL. I would love Cincinnati. I that'd be a great pairing. Get Joe Burrow. I think if you're looking for him to immediately have success and to immediately get a decent number of carries, Miami's the spot that you should be rooting for. Yeah. Their new head coach came from San Francisco. His name's Mike McDaniel. He's a really young guy. They have they now have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the outside. Tua's gonna run RPOs until the RPO system is dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's all he can do at the NFL level. And he does it pretty well, but that's that's it. Like there's there's <laughs> nothing more that's there for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're wanting him to go somewhere, Miami would probably be the spot that makes the most sense. Just because, man, so many teams have their starting running backs kind of set already, and that's mm-hmm. where it gets a little bit difficult. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, I I'm always excited for this time of year. Cause it always feels like the culmination of the college football season. Like obviously we've had the national championship. We've even had the super bowl, but it kind of feels like this is graduation. This is where you get the, you know, finally you see for these, for the last time, these guys representing a school on TV, they get their job and then they go become nameless, faceless football players at the, at the professional huh. level. But it always feels like the culmination of the season. You can kind of close the book on, you know, 2021 at this point and look forward to 2022. And for these guys in Missouri, at least this is going to be it. Uh, I hope Blaze makes it on a roster. God, I hope he makes it on a team. I think he'd be hilarious to watch at the pro level. I love, you know, Case Cook. He, he's been great. He's been multi-year captain. Love for, his, for him to get a spot. Mike Maetti did great in his two years here. I want everybody to get a spot. Everybody get drafted. Everybody get a shot at, at the NFL. Cash a couple checks from the shield and, and get out of there while you're still healthy. So I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but uh, it's always interest, It's always an interesting time for me because, again, it's roster management and college football and professional football. You mix it all together into this wonderful gumbo and uh, – do you watch the draft? I think it's, I've always watched, I think it's must-see TV. Do you actually sit and watch or are you just, whatever? I'll I love it. the draft. I'm a draft nerd, okay. though. I Good. love all of this stuff, man. I watch the NFL Combine. Like I, You I watch love the Combine? I, I, I am a total nerd, Whoa. man. I love this stuff. This is where, like, I first got into more of the advanced numbers because mm-hmm. you've got all of these thresholds and all of these different things that matter to these teams that people are like, wait, why does Kenny Pickett's hand size matter? Well, his hands are eight and a half inches. And if he were to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, go go measure your hands the way that they do it in the NFL. They measure it. it put your hand, spread it out as wide as you can, mm-hmm. and then go from the end of your thumb to the end of your pinky. Basically a, a diagonal line there. Mm-hmm. That, when you measure it, I guarantee whoever you are that is listening right now, if you are of reasonable height, it will be bigger than Kenny Pickett's hands. That's why it matters. <laughs> <laughs> because eventually you're going to get into a place where uh, he's going to have fumble issues potentially at the next level. He did in college as well. So that's the kind of stuff that, man, I, I just, I find it fascinating. I find all of that stuff really interesting. Um, when you look at the defensive ends, there's certain numbers that matter more than others. The three cone is a huge one that people really look into. Uh, if you're looking at offensive tackles, people have thresholds on the arm length. I think some of that can be a little silly, but there's there's certain position specific things that matter more than elsewhere. Um, so I, I'm a nerd with this stuff, man. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Well, I won't tell anybody. Your secret's safe with me. Yeah, uh, no, nobody's listening right now. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, watch the draft. We might uh, probably day two. That's when you're going to hear. By the way, I've got a piece coming up. 
as you're listening to this, it may be up on the site right now, rockamnation.com, about the SEC East and all of the different players that are heading to the NFL this year from Mm -hmm. the SEC East. Mm -hmm. Half of them uh, that are expected to go in the top 150 are coming from Georgia, like half from Georgia, half from the rest of the SEC East. (laughs) Georgia could have as many as like seven first round picks in the NFL draft. It's absurd the amount of talent that they've got. And so I wanted to look into, you know, the the recruiting and how this set themselves up for what they what happened, of course, with the national championship. Mm-hmm. And then what now they're going to see as what will essentially be a three and a half hour infomercial for Georgia <laughs> as yeah. half of their defense is selected in the first round and the other half is coming back next year and they'll be selected in the first round of next year's mm-hmm. draft. Mm-hmm. So it's not hard to see why this happened. All of their guys, other than one that's expected to be selected in the first uh, in the top 150, were four or five star recruits. All of them. So, uh, recruiting make rankings matter. If you listen to this show, you know that already. Mm-hmm. But as you look into the guys that are going to be selected in the first round, play this game with me as we go along. As you watch somebody get picked in the first round next Thursday, as you're listening to this, the 28th, look up what their recruiting profile was. Mm-hmm. More often than not, they will be a blue chip recruit. There are fewer blue chip recruits than there are anything else. There's like a hundred of them most years. And a lot of the guys that you're going to see going in the first round were blue chip recruits. There's a reason for that. We've gotten really good at this whole recruiting rankings thing, especially at the top end of it. Mm -hmm. And when you get more of them, it tends to forebode good things for your team. A little bit of a silver lining here. Missouri's getting more of them now. So four (laughs) years from now, hopefully we're talking about more than just Tyler Beatty and a Caleb Evans. Yeah. Yeah. And every time, every single year around this time and, and after the draft too, somebody tweets out some graphic of here's how many three stars are in the NFL. Here's how many five stars are in the NFL. And there's always more two and three star guys in the NFL than there are blue chippers. Okay. To BK's point, there's a lot fewer of them. <laughs> Look at it from a percentage standpoint. Yep. What percentage of a given year's blue chip recruits get get drafted? Overwhelming amount. What percentage of the two stars get drafted? Not a lot. Not a lot. So yes, anybody. This happens all the time. Five stars underperform. Two stars overperform. On an individual basis, no. Recruiting rankings don't matter on the whole on generalizations, looking at high school football players on mass. They are incredibly accurate, incredibly accurate. You're going to have some outliers, but you cannot bank on that. Gary Pinkle did a very good job of banking on those, those outliers, finding them and making them good. Not everybody can do that. So yes, Drinkwitz is increasing the, the recruiting rankings and hopefully we can get, some more guys in the NFL to to uh, kind of supplement what we used to have in the early aughts and the or late aughts and the early teens. So very exciting time. Do you want to talk a little bit 2022 football season since Let's you're here? It. Since you're here, uh, believe it or not, I started my 2022 opponent preview series. Good you, thing you started it now. Yeah, it's April. Um, I'm no, no I'm, I meant not earlier because you would have had a different team. Well, at the top. That too, God. Which thank God they did. Um, so yeah, I'm no Bill C, but you know it's you got to start early. Um, so yeah, we are not going to visit Middle Tennessee to kick off the 22 season. We're gonna have Louisiana Tech visit us at Faro 
on a Thursday, which BK, I love. I love it. Real quick. Big fan of Thursday or not a fan of Thursday? I love it. Yes. Um, I think it's awesome. They need to get creative with certain things. And Labor Day weekend in Missouri, there's a lot of hunting going around this state, as you're probably aware of, Nate. And there's a lot of other things going on that weekend. On a Thursday night in early September, though, you might be able to get a few guys, a few people going out there that wouldn't otherwise consider going to Mizzou versus Louisiana Tech. And there's a lot of students, for example, that go home that weekend mm -hmm. and they don't stick around campus. So maybe instead of going home on a Thursday night, they stick around campus Thursday night. They go to the game. They may or may not, as Eli Traquitt said, go to classes on Friday <laughs> and then they head home afterwards. Like. I think it's a really smart idea. You could potentially increase the amount of attendance that's there. And if nothing else, it's at least a creative option where let's find out if it works. Yeah. If it does, great. And if not, what are you out? You were already at, I think the last few years, I saw Dave Matter had the numbers. It's like an average of 42,000 people that are going to these games on opening weekend. Mm -hmm. At that point, you might as well try it on a Thursday and give yourself some more time sure. between that game and the next week. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at this point, my plan is to go. I haven't been to a game since 2019. I think I'm going to be there as well for what it's worth. Uh, I will not be going to work the next day. I know my boss listens to the show. Hi, Mike. You're probably going to the game, too. So you're probably also <laughs> not going to work afterwards. I'll see you there. Um, so, I mean, here's the thing. Desiree Reed Francois put it really, really well, I thought. She said, I cannot directly control the quality of the football team we put on the field. I can't control how you view it. I can control how it's consumed. And this is great. This is the, to her credit. This is exactly what she's talking about. Um, the Thursday slate, not a whole, else, whole lot of else going on. And when you are getting into Labor Day, when you're getting to the opening weekend of college football, it is drinking from the fire hose, everything all at once, all the time to be that kind of opening salvo of games. People are going to turn in because it's college football. And my God, if you put on a show, hello, now you're getting, now you got buzz. Now you're the SEC team on Thursday and you beat the heck out of Louisiana Tech. Luther Burden looked awesome. Starting quarterback looked awesome. Defense looked ferocious. Like it, it's a big opportunity for good time vibes. Now it wouldn't be me unless I rained all over this parade in the past 22 years. Missouri has not won a game on Thursday. In fact, both times that Missouri tried to play a game on a Thursday, a monsoon hit. 2009, Nebraska knocked out the power to Faroe. Then Dominican Sue broke Blaine Gabbert's ankle and destroyed the power of Blaine Gabbert for the rest of his career. And then in 2015, Mississippi State came to town. Dak Prescott ran all over us uh, in a lightning-filled game. Uh, that was just absolutely awful. Mostly because the 2015 offense was trash, also because they lost really badly. So... This is a good chance to turn it around. Come on, Missouri. Win a game on Thursday. Come on, Eli Drinkwitz. You've never won a game on a Thursday. Let's hold hands. Let's break this streak together because BK, Louisiana Tech sucks. And that's uh, They're not very good. It's not very nice to say. I understand that. They're not good. But I quoted you in my article tonight, and I appreciate you for, uh, <laughs> for saying that in yours. <laughs> You're welcome. I think you said they stink, though. You didn't say they suck on your article. Okay, so maybe I didn't. You're, I you're bringing out the more foul language for I'm the sorry. podcast. I appreciate uh, that about you. You know, Missouri football after dark. Yeah. Um, 
It's 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 bad. And I I've been doing the SP Plus uh, ranking chart for for this season, just to give you an idea of like historically, here's where they are. Um, <laughs> this is the worst one. <laughs> Like I put together all the SEC ones, all the other non-cons. Th- this is the worst team. Now, obviously, Abilene Christian does not have SP plus rankings, but like Louisiana Tech and New Mexico State have the worst ones. And and, and they're coming from such a, a deep chasm of talent. It's it's an underfunded program and an underfunded conference. Um, you know, they got a brand new coach who's never been a head coach before, Sonny Cumbie, uh, former Texas Tech quarterback, former Offensive coordinator for TCU and Texas Tech. Like, I like the hire. I think Sonny Cumbie's a cool guy. I like his offenses. He's inheriting not a lot. Every single quarterback that was on the roster last year is gone. Uh, he's taking a transfer walk-on from TCU that's probably going to be their starting guy. And um, their running game stunk, and their defense gave up anything you wanted. To, they wanted to take. So um, that's what he's inheriting, and then a bunch of dudes left. So historically, they're not very good. They haven't been good for the past five years. Even Missouri's worst years, which, you know, arguably the past two, uh, they're still quite a bit better than what Louisiana Tech's put on the field. That doesn't mean they can't lose. I'm just saying there is a wide talent and funding gap here, and I think Missouri can take advantage and win, which is kind of a nice thing. Hey, remember when people wanted to, like there were real human beings that wanted to hire Skip Holtz at Missouri? Th- those those people existed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- th- that was, th- th- he's now coaching in the USFL. Uh, if you haven't watched any of the USFL, God bless you. You shouldn't be watching the USFL. I love football. Can't make me watch that. Um, <laughs> as, as for this specific game, Missouri should win and they should win handily. And the reason why I wrote about this game is not because I'm particularly intrigued by the matchup, because as you said, Louisiana tech stinks. I think you said sucks actually. Um, <laughs> good <laughs> they, they, they are not good and i am not looking forward to watching that game but it should be a blowout it should well that's unfair it shouldn't be a game that in the fourth quarter you're watching because the result is in question mm-hmm. and this far too often over the last six years has been something that is not anything that you can count on for mizzou mizzou over the last six years basically since gary pinkle decided to retire the first two weeks of the season have been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. They have basically eliminated any hope from Missouri fans every year since 2016, other than 2018. 2018 was the one year where I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be okay. <laughs> and then week four happened and you got your teeth kicked <laughs> yeah. in by Georgia and then you lost a heartbreaker against South Carolina and then Alabama yeah. came up after that. So yeah, we all know how that went. But that was the one season where you did have some hope after week two and it was the one year, honestly, over the last six where you you should have had some hope. This year, you need to be able to sustain a little bit of the offseason momentum that you've built. And you can do that by starting out with a big win against Louisiana Tech. And then we'll get to this more. I know we've talked about it in the past as well. But the way that last year, the Kentucky game was the swing game of the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, that's what K-State is this year, man. Mm-hmm. It's the same week in the year. It's the same weekend. You're on the road. That That is the one that is ultimately going to determine the trajectory of the year. If they're able to start 2-0, you should beat Abilene Christian, although that's going to be probably a tougher it's one tough. than people want it to be. Yeah. Uh, but you should start 3-0, and and then we'll see what happens against Auburn, a team that saw everybody and their mother transfer this <laughs> offseason. 
and and, and you know you, you maybe you're on a little bit of a run there but it all starts with those first two weeks you've no. got to put a good foot forward it's the show me state for a reason and these fans are not going to show up in droves until they see you start out hot finally yep i agree I said in the piece, you know, when you when you when you build your non-conference schedule, you can either build it around interest and matchups or you can build it around wins. And right now, Missouri, which is, you know, kind of middle bottom team in the SEC, the toughest college football conference in the nation. Arguably, you should always be scheduling for wins like if we were recruiting in the top 10 for, you know, five years and competing for SEC conference championships and playoff spots. Okay. Yeah. At that point you need some, you need some style points. You need some extra oomph. You need some interest. Yeah. Go ahead and, and, and schedule some, some P five teams that, that that's not what we should be doing right now. And I would take the Baylor model, um, you know, rest and piss our Bryles, But like what he did is he knew his team stunk and so he he scheduled the worst teams you could possibly think of, both from the FCS and the dregs of the G5. And Baylor banked four wins in the non-con, needed to win two in conference to get to a bowl. You start winning bowl games, you start getting noticed, you raise the recruiting profile a little bit, you get a little bit more money, you can spend it on better recruits, better you know helmets, equipment, and facilities. And it just it snowballs because you keep getting those bowl checks, you keep getting that TV money, you keep getting that exposure. Baylor is now kind of solidly nouveau riche middle class. And they've maintained that over three hires, both very different gentlemen, but they've been able to maintain that because they schedule really easy in the non-con in the sec. There are, there are no easy wins other than Vanderbilt. There are no easy wins and even Missouri can lose to Vanderbilt. So get your easy wins. And this is one of those. This is a very, this is not broke, but a very poor program and a very poor conference. That's not very talented. and hasn't been talented for a long time. That's what you should be scheduling. Do not schedule Kansas state. Why would See, you I disagree? I, I totally disagree. This <sighs> is ahead. the one area that I, I agree with your early assessment. You should be scheduling in my opinion, three out of your four non-con games for wins. I think you should schedule one. That is for interest. I hate that it's on the road this time around. Yeah. Like that sucks. Yeah. But I like playing those peer programs that are regional rivals as non-con opponents. Like if you could rotate between K-State, Kansas, Iowa State, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, teams like that, I would be all for that. Once a year, having one of those power five programs that you're going up against, I think it's good for the sport. Now, if that means winning six games instead of seven or winning nine instead of 10 or something like that, so be it. But I think it's good to be able to have some of those regional rivalries where Missouri right now doesn't really have a whole lot of those because of the conference in which they play. Uh, so that that is my vote in favor of it. But it is not because of the record. It is because I think for fanhood, it's good. So if it was Maryland, you would not be okay with it. See, I think that would be a silly game because there's no real tie there. Okay. Um, I, I think that the way that you sch should schedule out is teams like K-State. Like so their future schedule right now includes K-State in 2022 and 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got their quote-unquote big game in 24 is the Boston College, they, them coming to Mizzou. That's fine. I, I think that one was kind of weird as well geographically, mm -hmm. but it was a cool trip for some alums, so I, I have no problems with that. 25, you've got KU. 26, you've got KU and Illinois. KU's a fake program, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, 
27 Illinois, 28 Illinois. You've got them on the schedule for a while. 2030, you've got Colorado. Like, I think they are at this point have it set up pretty well in the future with the way that I would want to do it. The 2035 game at BYU, that's not something I would do. They shouldn't play that game. No. But no. the Illinois, KU, K-State, those localized regional rivalry, if you want to call it that, that's what I would want to have every year. All right. I hate the at Memphis game, for example, next year. I think that's terrible. That's a Barry Odom favor from seven years yep. ago. <clears throat> Yeah, they shouldn't play that game. That should be a game that they buy out of. There's no reason to play them or Middle Tennessee. That's ridiculous. Agree. The Memphis is a little bit more beatable now than they were three or four years ago. I still hate it. I still hate it. Um. Okay. Well, you know, I like wins. I, I do like stories too, <laughs> but like. It, Nate, that was no 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 there's nothing more that needs to be said your entire <laughs> argument is i like wins and that is a winning argument there you go <laughs> i can't where go. you're coming from man i hear you i do like wins and i, I will <laughs> say this i, I also want to say i put it out on twitter but i'm going to say it on the show too i i cannot tell you and i'm not being facetious about this i cannot tell you how happy it made me with the number of people reaching out insane how could you possibly overlook Louisiana tech? Like how don't, don't be saying that we're going to get Wyoming by law tech. And it just, I have been telling you to y'all to eat your vegetables for three years now. And anytime I kind of think that, Oh, Missouri might not have a chance and you all get, you know, and rightfully so. Like, how could you say that? That gets tiring. That gets boring. Whatever. Yawn. When I'm feeling positive and you all are telling me to eat my vegetables and like be realistic about my assessment and understand that Missouri can't sleep on anybody, that makes me so happy. I hope that we're all being very realistic and, and measured with our expectations so that we're not uh, being emotional and reacting and that we shouldn't. And uh, thank you for the feedback. No, Missouri cannot overlook any team. I agree with you. Eat your vegetables. Louisiana Tech is also really bad, so it's okay. Um, yeah, can't wait for them to go nine and three this year. <laughs> There was a stretch. I don't know if you remember this late two thousands Missouri teams would schedule like Buffalo and San Diego state and Miami, Ohio, because they stunk. And then inevitably when we played them, yep. they would win their conference championship and give Missouri a run for their money. It was like three or four years in a row. It was maddening to have that happen. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't count it out. Missouri magic works in mysterious ways. Missouri also scheduled Troy and uh, that, wasn't a great idea either that was a terrible idea that was a that was a friday game right not a thursday game. i think that is correct i mean i know you're like six years old but i'm pretty sure that was a friday game. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh last thing on here wasn't demarcus Ware in that game? he was he was on that team yes that's why they were so damn good yeah turns out <sighs> turns out having an nfl player on your team is a good thing <laughs> yeah, especially a defensive end in college. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, that was... Oh, I hated that game. Anyway, beat him in 2019. We avenged We avenged Brad Smith uh, 14 years later. Um, last thing we want to do before we get out of here is I want to talk about NIL just a little bit because it seems to be in the college football zeitgeist right now. A lot of people talking about it, and I think it's closely tied to the transfer portal and specifically with, like, every basketball player at college in the transfer portal right now, because inevitably it comes down to, you know, Oh, what's, what's their NIL money going to be? And and so we got, we got this conversation where it's like, do the players have too much? 
Like, and, and that's what we're actually asking ourselves. Not even a year after NIL has been implemented and only a handful of years uh, since the transfer portal has been created. And I think about a calendar year since the one free transfer rule came down. So look in our modern society, you have to have a quick knee jerk reaction. You have to have a, a deep analysis off of a small sample size. We are, we are college football at all times. Right. Um, but I, I think the, 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 the target of the ire, um, the, the negativity associated with NIL, I'm not sure if it's correctly placed. And David Hale had a really good thread on Twitter, uh, today, I think maybe yesterday. Um, but a lot of, a lot of other people have talked about kind of what is NIL and what is it not. And to help you figure this out, I always look at the Olympics, right? Cause the Olympics is the one that set the name image likeness model where, Athletes who were Olympic competitors could profit off their name, image, and likeness because they were not getting paid to be Olympic athletes. So NIL, as its core function, is to allow a company, a business, or an individual to pay a, an athlete and have that athlete do something for them, right? I want you to do something for my business because you are Luther Burden and you are really good at football and I want to associate my company, my brand with what you do on the field. That's the entire point of name, image, and likeness. Now, the nitty gritty is that typically a company is going to get something in return from that athlete, not just a yards and touchdowns on the field numbers on a stat sheet, but like you're going to dedicate three or four social media posts per week to talking about that company in a, in a stated ad. You are going to record a video or maybe record a commercial. Um, you are going to, you know, if you have a YouTube channel, you're going to mention them in your YouTube channel. There's, there's going to be a tit for tat. There's going to be, here's your money athlete. Now you do this for me. That is what NIL is. And what a lot of the targeted stuff has been over the past couple of weeks has been talking about, you know, the Arkansas offensive line is sponsored by a barbecue joint or every walk on a BYU is going to get $5,000 stuff that is very clearly pay for play. You get money because you play for this school. That is not what NIL is. And that's what NCO, the NCAA should be cutting down on, but they're not because they've been neutered by the Supreme court and maybe rightfully so, but it's a really odd situation because nobody knows what this is and nobody wants to put any kind of enforcement on it because it's still so new and it looks like you're cranking down on, on student athletes, but BK getting paid to just go to, to a school that's called employment. And what NIL is supposed to be is an endorsement because people know who you are and you want to be tied to your company. So like, do we just need a couple of years to figure this out and have it correct itself? Or are we going to have that amount of time with the way people react at this point? I think all of this is the wild west right now. Um, whether it be the transfer rules, the extra year of the eligibility that it came from COVID. Like, I don't know what classification anybody is at this point. I don't know how many years they have. I don't know if they can transfer for free or not. I know there's some questions right now in college basketball on, Hey, these, kids that are transferring for like their third time they're transferring as if they can do it with impunity but some people aren't sure if they actually can or not like there's a lot of questions that seem to be going unanswered and we're all just like yeah it's fine we'll figure it out <laughs> it's just the, okay I, I i guess this is just the way that it works now um and, and eventually there's gonna have to be some sort of guidance 
that is put in. There's going to be some guardrails that exist within college basketball and college football specifically. And right now there's none of that, man. You can make more to be a college football player at some places right now than you can to be a, well, a, any sort of a practice squad player, but in some places, even more than you would make as a rookie Mm -hmm. in the NFL. And listen, man, hey, if you can go get your money, go do it. Like, God bless you for it. I'm not going to be here telling you you shouldn't make your money. But it makes sense to me when a player like Bryce Young at Alabama is getting a million dollars. That's probably his real market value right now. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different when you've got the seventh offensive lineman at Arkansas that's getting paid $200,000. I don't think that's what this was for. Um, and when you have the some of these... I forget. I, I think it's called the NIL collectives mm-hmm. that are taking place where essentially you've got um, my very elementary level of understanding of it is you have this pool of money at a school that other businesses can throw money towards. They say, I am pledging $50,000 to the Missouri Athletics Collective, right? Mm-hmm. And then so when they do that and you have all of these different companies around the state, around the country, they're saying, I want to put money towards the Missouri NIL collective. And they've got, let's say it's $600,000 that they can spend within that collective. They can now go out and say, okay, how are we going to divvy up this money? Now, the problem is, if you want to call it a problem, I view it as one. Some probably don't. There are some places right now that have like 10 times the money in their collective that other places do. And they have so much. Yes, Arkansas, (laughs) Illinois for their basketball one. I know has a ton right now. Um, It it is so much money that I don't think they know what to do with it. (laughs) It's kind of like the reason why right now you have so many or over the last really decade or so, you've had so many places that have built such absurd facilities is because they don't know what else to do with their money. They have all of this money that's being handed to them and it becomes a keeping up with the Joneses where it's like, we have to continue building, build, build, build. There's always got to be a crane up. Well, now that's NIL. We've always got to have more money for these players. And I don't know how you crack down on this or if you need to, frankly, I just don't have the answers on it, but I know what's happening right now seems to be going too far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am fascinated to find out over the next, I think this is going to be a long-term problem, but over the next decade, what is this going to look like? What are the guardrails that are put in place? Because there's got to be something that is done about it. I mean, look, I'm, I'm famously wrong about everything, but like even give it three years. And the reason I say that is you got to wait for the horror stories. Well, what are the horror stories? Well, you already have some in the transfer portal. Guys who were starting at a school and transfer hit the portal and then didn't get picked up by anybody and their school didn't take them back. You're going to get horror stories from paying taxes on $200,000, uh, oh, both yeah. from the athlete and the business. Um, it's not a donation. Can't write it off. Um, CIA or CIA. Oh my God. The IRS is very interested in your dollars and they want, if it's above board, they want to get their fingers on it. And so you're going to, you're going to find that out very quickly. And I'm not saying these kids, you know, can't do math or, or, or can't pay a bill or anything, but like, man, I have t- trouble sometimes figuring out my tax. I'm telling you, man, 
Uh, the best thing we ever did was find someone who could do it for you. Oh my God. That's what I did this year. It's 100%. it's a life changer. Uh, you, all that time you get back, all that lack of stress, it's mm-hmm. worth the dollars. Um, Imagine being 18 years old though, and being yes. handed $500,000 and not knowing what to do. Yes. Like, yes, the school is there, but a lot of these kids, they go to school and they, they're part of the football program and they're not even worried about it. They're yeah. like, Hey, I, I got other stuff I got to do, man. I got to go to school. I got to go to weightlifting. I got to get into these meetings. I've got tutor. It's 11 o'clock. I just got home. I don't want to deal with this tax situation. Yeah. I'll figure that out eventually. And so they wait, they wait, they wait, they do it the day of uh, tax day, April 18th or whatever. And they mess it up. Yep. That's going to happen. It's I don't know to what degree, what percentage, but it will happen. Yeah. Definitely. Or even uh Moro Ojomo from Texas who gave uh, an incredibly revealing interview last week. He dove into the NIL. He's like, Man, NIL is a second job. Yep. I got to do, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go to school. I got to hit my practices. I got to hit, hit the weights. You know, I got to pretend to talk to my friends, my girlfriend. And like, it's a second job. And, you know, Nick Saban's proposing like a guaranteed equal amount of NIL revenue to all Alabama players to avoid a cast system. Like it's, you are going to get horror stories. You're going to get negative feedback about the process. Let that set in. Again, we have not even had NIL active for a year because it was July 1st of last year. First or the 7th, I forget. We're not even at a year. So let the horror stories hit. Let players hear from other players what it's really like. Have those stories from the transfer portal really start resonate. You'll see transfers go down. You'll see NIL be a little bit more self-regulated, both on the business and the athlete side. It's going to happen. We're just... It's, it's a wild time right now. And yes, with the COVID stuff, COVID ruined everything. Yeah, I mean, on a minor level, college athletes, but everything in general. But like, yeah, there's so much. The, the transfers are because these kids couldn't visit on campus. They couldn't talk to their coaches. They couldn't practice with them. You know, that's part of the reason the transfer portal is so active. So like, give it a couple of years. It'll work itself out. But it's always just very amusing for these knee-jerk reactions on big things you know, we don't give it any time to settle and we already make these sweeping generalizations. But what I will say is that if you want to influence your program now more than ever, you have direct influence. Um, you know, if you've got, if you're, if you got 200 bucks you're like, well, what, what, what difference is that going to make? You know, what, what, why should I give the Missouri NIL collective $200? You know, that's not going to cover anything. Sure. But if, you know, I don't know, 10,000 people like you also had 200 bucks to give. That's, that's $2 million right there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Luther. That's a Luther burden. You can, you can finance right there. So it's not about indiv- like individuals as like a, a single solitary unit. It's the individuals working as a whole. Um, and, and so if you, if you want to make that impact, go ahead and knock yourself out. If you don't, that's fine. But this is a really interesting time where you can use your dollars to have direct influence buying tickets, parent friendly, whatever, or donating to this thing uh, to get talented players in your program. And in the end of the day, isn't that what we always wanted? It is. Um, it, it's funny, man, because like in so many ways, this is so great for the sport. Like it is so excellent because now you're going to have certain guys that decide to stay in college longer than they otherwise would have. And a lot of them, they're making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be able to, I know that, the idea that college football is about the degree is just for so many different guys wrong. <laughs> yes. However, 
I do think there are a lot of players that otherwise would have gone to the NFL. Like, I, here, here's one that comes to mind immediately for me. A guy, for example, like Henry Josie. Mm -hmm. He went to the league and it, he never really latched on, right? Not in any sort of meaningful way. Mm -hmm. If the NIL was around when he was in college, he would have been a folk hero at Mizzou, man. Yeah. He absolutely would have gotten some NIL money coming his way. Honestly, probably more so than what he ultimately made by declaring for the NFL draft. Henry Josie probably stays another year. And that's good for college football. So that's the kind of thing that, to me, this can be good for. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with it. That's just it, it's it's the side pieces that are mm. that are problematic. Yeah. You got to get rid of that. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, that's our show. BK, any any parting shots? I don't think so, man. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to the NFL draft. The next time that we talk, we'll be able to recap where guys went, what they ended up getting, uh, who went where in undrafted free agency as well. And if you're a Mizzou fan and you see one of the guys that ends up getting a, a UDFA contract or an opportunity to go to a camp, that's a really big deal for these guys. Mm -hmm. And so many of those, they're, they're lottery tickets, essentially, but you'd be surprised at what percentage of them end up making it. So don't think that just because, for example, uh, uh, think of a good one that might make some sense. Like a Kobe Whiteside, just because he doesn't get drafted doesn't mean there's no chance that he ends up making it in the league. He, he could still get there. So uh, I'll be interested to see what that looks like. And I can't wait to find out where uh, Tyler Beatty, mm -hmm. Caleb Evans, and maybe Michael Maietti end up getting drafted as well. For sure. Yeah. But that's going to be the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockham flagship at Rockham Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.